All of us at some point or another will have an experience that causes us to think for a moment, is this really happening? Maybe it's a moment of joy, your wedding day, the birth of a child, a new car, something like that. Maybe it's a moment of sorrow, the loss of a loved one, a diagnosis, an accident. Is this really happening? I think Maundy Thursday is one of those moments. It's one of those moments in the life of Jesus, one of those moments in redemptive history, one of those moments in the church year, one of those moments when if we take a step back tonight and consider what's happening, all that's converging on this night, all that we see on this night, it will take our breath away. The background to this moment, the background to this night is the Passover. We heard it read to us from Exodus 12 just a few moments ago. And we heard God Almighty in our text tonight from the Old Testament give a bone-chilling warning in Exodus 12, 12. God said there, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Enough with the hard-hearted Pharaoh. Enough with the warnings. Enough with the games. I will execute judgments, says the Lord. What gives him that right? He says it right there. I am the Lord. And yet, even there on that night, we see the grace of God on display in how he makes a way for pardon, a way for protection. And that way, The way God makes for pardon, the way God makes for protection from judgment is the blood of a lamb without blemish. God says in his grace in Exodus 12, 13, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, when I see the blood, God says, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you. And if not for the blood, Exodus 12, 30 describes to us the sound of God's judgment. Exodus 12, 30 says, there was a great cry in Egypt. Can you even imagine? For there was not a house where someone was not dead. But God, but God's people Saved from judgment by the blood of a Passover lamb. And on that night, on that night, God was already thinking of another night. A Thursday night. When his own son, when his pure, spotless, lamb without blemish, would set a table and would wash feet. Is this really happening? Is this really happening? 
You can feel the disciples' discomfort with what's happening. You can pick up on their astonishment, their amazement. Our First Corinthians reading summarizes what happened first. Jesus breaks bread, he lifts up a cup, and he says, this is my body, which is for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, we're Anglicans. We're used to hearing these words. They would not have been used to hearing Jesus say these words. This is my body, which is for you. My blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is saying that he, he is the final, perfect Passover lamb. That he is fulfilling what was put in place on that night so long ago. He's fulfilling the old covenant. He's instituting the new covenant. He speaks clearly here with authority, with the voice of God. He's saying enough with the pointing forward. Enough with the types and shadows. Enough with the anticipation. The time has come. The time is now. And Jesus will give himself. Jesus will give his body. Jesus will shed his blood. Jesus, the Passover lamb. He will provide total, absolute, 100% pardon from our sins by his blood. He will take upon himself all the punishment that our sins deserve. He will do this, he says with his words, and he will do this, he proves, he proves it in his body and blood. And then, is this really happening? Our gospel reading from John 13 tells us in verse four that Jesus rose from supper. What is he doing? He laid aside his outer garments. What is he doing? Taking a towel, tied it around his waist. What in the world is Jesus doing? This is Jesus. This is the pure, spotless, without blemish, Passover lamb of God. What is he doing? He pours water into a basin, begins to wash the disciples' dirty, filthy feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, Lord, do you wash my feet? This is our God. This is our Savior. This is the kind of love God has for us. This is the kind of love God has for you and you and you. He bends down before you, taking the form of a servant, and he washes you clean. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one, the one before whom every knee will one day bow in love, in humility, kneeling before sinful man, kneeling before the one who would deny him before the rooster crows, kneeling before the one who would betray him with a kiss. And can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? For me, who him to death pursued, amazing love, how can it be? Thou, my God, shouldst die for me. 
Jesus demonstrates for us in our gospel account tonight, in this holy night, he demonstrates to us the depth of his love. It's incomprehensible. And he demonstrates to us the power, power, wonder-working power of the precious blood of the Lamb. Jesus demonstrates that when he provides purification for you through his blood, he provides total purification. When he provides pardon for you through his blood, he provides total pardon. When he provides protection for you, protection from the judgment that your sins rightly deserve, he provides total protection for you. The old hymn put it this way that we sang earlier, rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Not the labors of my hands could fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? Foul I to thy fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. And when I draw this fleeting breath, When mine eyelids close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. About a month ago, I received an unexpected phone call here at the church. It was a funeral home somewhere in the area, and they were helping a woman whose elderly father had recently passed away. He was going to be cremated in a few days' time, and the family wanted a simple, small, private service with some prayers and a few words before that happened. This family and this man had never had any connection with Truro whatsoever, but throughout their life, they had had connections with Episcopal churches and some Anglican churches. So the funeral home called the first Anglican church they could think of and asked for a priest, and I answered the phone. And I felt the Lord nudge me to say yes to this invitation. And so I did. And the next day I had a phone call with the daughter. And uh, I asked her, tell me about your dad. She told me about him, about his life, who he was, what he had done for a living, all those sorts of things. That her mom had already passed about 10, 15 years earlier. And she told me some of the difficult things about her father. Some of the painful things that had taken place in their home. And that the last couple of decades of his life were difficult. But he had had a genuine Christian faith. He had trusted in Jesus. He had really put his trust and his faith in Jesus. His story was the story of a a Christian man. A man who trusted in Jesus, but his story was also quite painful. So on a Monday afternoon, I met the daughter and a few of her friends at the funeral home to meet and pray with them before her father would be cremated. She was emotional. She was very emotional. She was not in a good place. And she had a few remarks she wanted to make before they cremated her father, and she did. And then she said to me, okay, Reverend, now it's your turn. And so standing just a few feet from the casket, I read from John 11, where Jesus said he's the resurrection and the life. I read from Romans 8, where Paul says that for those who are in Christ Jesus, nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even death. 
and I told her the story of when I was in seminary, and my Greek professor would always say to us, before we were translating some texts or parsing verbs, he would say, start with what you know. Start with what you know. And so I said, what we know is that your dad trusted in Jesus. We know that your dad was a Christian. We know he was. We know that Jesus said he's the resurrection of the life. We know that Romans 8 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, not even death. So we know that your dad is in heaven. We know that your dad is with Jesus. And at that moment, she grabbed me by the shoulders. And she looked me in the eye. And she said, will he pay for what he did to my mom? Will he be punished? He beat my mom. He hit my mom. Will he pay for what he did? Will my dad be punished for what he did to my mom? And I said, no, ma'am. No, he won't. I said, what your dad did was evil. She said, yeah, it was. I said, what your dad did was horrible. She said, yeah, it was. I said, what your dad did deserved punishment. And she said, yeah, it did. I said, Jesus was punished for what your dad did. Jesus paid for what your dad did to your mom. On the cross, the punishment for the evil things your dad did to your mom was placed on Jesus. And Jesus' blood covers over all your dad's sins. The blood of Jesus makes your dad clean. I said, your dad isn't in heaven right now because he deserves to be there. Your dad isn't in heaven right now because he was a good person. No one is in heaven because they deserve to be there. No one is in heaven because they're a good person. On the cross, Jesus was punished for our transgressions. On the cross, Jesus paid for our sins, and it is his blood that covers us. And on the cross, Jesus proclaims, it is finished. And she let go of my shoulders. It's an old hymn that says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there go I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. And when this poor, lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. She and I were walking to our cars after the service, and she said, you know, I had to ask you those questions. Because you went to seminary. You, you know what you're talking about. And I looked at her and laughed, and I said, ma'am, I don't know what I'm talking about. 
said, this thing knows what it's talking about. This thing knows what it's talking about. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not now, not ever. Ephesians 1.7, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. 1 John 1.7, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 2.2, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. Hebrews 10.19, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Revelation 1.5, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, to him be glory and dominion forever. In John 13.8, Jesus says to Peter, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So what's our response then? Our response is to say to Jesus, like Peter, Lord, not my feet only then, but also my hands and my head. Lord, save me. Save me from my sins. You know how filthy I am. You know how sinful I am. You know how I try to hide it from you. You know what a mess I can make of my life sometimes. To you, my heart is open. All desires known. From you, no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of my heart, O God. Cleanse the images in my mind. Cleanse the lies I've chosen to believe and chosen to tell. Cleanse the perversion of my hands. Cleanse the vulgarity of my tongue. Cleanse the hardness of my heart. Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes us white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. In Christ, in our life, and in our death, we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Friends, tonight receive the body and blood of your Savior. Feed on him in your heart tonight when we come to the table. By faith, with thanksgiving, receive his great love for you. Allow him to wash your feet. That's why before we come to the table now, we're actually going to have an altar call. It's called foot washing on Monday, Thursday. We have three stations set out here. There'll be a priest at each one. We'd be delighted to simply wash your feet with water, like Jesus did. Dry with a towel, like Jesus did. Pray a prayer of God's love over you while we do it. Likewise, a spouse or a friend or family member can do it for you if you'd like, and we'll just stand there and pray over you while they do it. It's not something we normally do, this foot washing. Something that might make you feel uncomfortable, and that's fine. You don't have to do it. You can stay where you are and sing along. But it might make you uncomfortable for a reason, and that's so God can give you a picture, a visual representation of his love for you, a love that seems too good to be true, a love that when your earthly life is over, will have covered over and washed away all of your sins, all of them, all your evil deeds, all your iniquities. It's a love that lays down his life for yours. He is your Passover lamb. He is your basin 
and your towel. He is the love and mercy and kindness of God incarnate. And he offers you tonight himself. He offers you his grace. Is this really happening? Yes, this is really happening. We come under the covering of the blood of Jesus. We receive the cleansing of his amazing grace that washes our feet, that washes all our sins away. And this grace that saves wretches like us is the same grace that will lead us home. Let's pray together. Lord, not just our feet, but also our hands and our head and our hearts and our minds and our whole lives. Wash us, Savior, or we die. Save us, Jesus. Save us. And wash us clean. Help us to receive the great gift of your love. Help us to receive the great cleansing and pardon from your blood that we will trust even unto our death. In Jesus' name, amen.